On the 23rd of February 2009, Words and Sings hosted a special event to celebrate the launch of a new poetry album by Nick Card called The House. With all profits from its sale going straight to Amnesty International, the evening featured Nick performing tracks from the album, as well as a number of other local poets, musicians and comedians. Here are just a few of the highlights. So let's introduce our first performer. I've gone onto Wikipedia and retrieved a number of facts about every artist performing tonight. I assume it's all true. Wikipedia would never lie to me. So before I introduce Owen onto the stage, I'd just like to tell you that number one, he once defeated Chuck Norris one on one on a bar fight, and number two, his body temperature is hotter than the surface of the sun. I've worked with him before at the Critical Vape Performance Nights. Ladies and gentlemen, Owen Barber. Um, I'm going to read a f- about three poems in about ten minutes, I think. Um, the first one is called Badger on Brinkley's Edge. It was on top of a rise coming down the road on a piece of hill above on a piece of hill full of beach and at silent pause it scuttled away its body seeming the sky it paused a while I noticed it then looking forward up the hill and if by magic it vanished and through the wood all was silent, no whisper to shatter the peace. On top of a tree made heaven with owls to feel the breeze. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry about this sound. Um, this other piece I've written. Um, it's called the anthology poem. Mainly, this is my anthology that I've got here from a a group that that I go to um, called the Abbeydale Writers, which is up in Totley. And so, uh, I'll read this poem to you now. Sitting on a well-worn bench, my friend has been making the best of me watching tentatively at the sky and onwards. I do that as well, both wondering what life would be like up there, all that free air and only a hundred places to hide. What we would give to be have a bird's eye view, to look down on our thousands of homes, swooping and diving together, in one big space of blue. Ah, but she's only a small and cuddly and the black velvet of, co- of a coat to go with the sky. Now I must go in and drink calls 
and then to to watching who do you think you are sheltering from the life I lead in the day. And my third and uh, final poem uh, I've written is called Through the Tops of the Trees and it's mainly what I've written about being at Chatsworth if, uh, if, you know, if you know what it feels like to be out there. Water, water everywhere up and down and in between mingling, dappling everywhere seen through mud and sun rivers and ponds dew on the grass left as fronds through the air as snow and rain and and the trees or window pane in the eaves of cottage thus on country lane and seclusion lush through revamped attics and flooded cellars, tempting pies cooked by embers. In the dark and the white, pasture of the moorland, white as hairs on bare spring days, cowering by the moment. And the marshlands in the east, friends of different things to measure. To never say the least. And when the final day is to come, and winter sheds its last, what shall we say of the past? Thank you very much. And thank you, Amnesty International. I want Barbara there. Come on, but. That's better. Hello, I'm Chris and I'm from Words and Things, who's uh, staged this tonight, so thanks for everybody coming down. It's looking better than it was half an hour ago, but it's great to see you all here. Right, I've been asked to introduce the introductionary type person, who is Peter Beeston. Okay, so you may have noticed we've chopped down half a forest to put various pieces of paper on your desk. Uh, one of the things you might have picked up already is a little pub quiz that we're playing tonight. And it's going to give you two chances to win lots of prizes. And trust me, we have lots of prizes. I'm not giving much away, but if you enter, you will win. The first part is a caption competition. Write down something funny, witty, clever... Just write down something, write down a symbol, I don't really care. Uh, it's that great image of the upside-down house. On the opposite side of that piece of paper is our Guess a Price of the House competition. Just circle or underline what you think each correct answer is, and the person with the best score, or a score, will win a prize. Just hand them in up front here. If you need more copies, there's a few more just on the corner here. Uh, thank you, Chris, my wonderful assistant. Anyway, according to Wikipedia, our next performer once betrayed folk music when he went electric. 
he will turn into a gremlin if you feed him after midnight. And lastly, he doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. In fact, he doesn't know the meaning of many words. He's really poorly educated, if I'm honest. Ladies and gentlemen, Rex Davis. Well, good evening. That's me, but uh, it's all lies. So, um, my first poem is uh, about house music, and it's about being in the house. And it's named after a club in Sheffield called Head Charged. Some people like to stop at home. Some people like to go to pubs. But us, we like three hours in bed, and then we go to clubs. It really it recharges our batteries, and also I might mention relieves our poor old bodies of pent up sexual tension. We recharge our batteries, put a charge in our head. We can dance till the dawn, because we can sleep when we're dead. So we're standing in a club with our hands in the air in a northern new church. We are saying our prayer. Holy waters on tap. The congregation gets close. Among all the ravers, we love you the most. Then later, blinking in the dawn with a fistful of clover, buzzing in the bones, jump aboard the Land Rover. Mrs. Drive me to drink, she's gone one spliff over. Mr. Police Carman decides it's time to pull us over. But with her thong out her jeans and her L'Oreal rinse, and her head out the window for to throw up her mints. See her from behind, it's no wonder me wife passes for a woman 25 years younger. Policeman, he say, been anywhere nice, sir. Your passenger there seems to have had a good night, sir. I said, that passenger there, she is my daughter. I was dragged from my bed to fetch my lamb from the slaughter. Officer Sai says that's what young girls love doing. Misbehaving in clubs leads to lives ending ruin. Then Mrs. Heaved a sigh of this evening's curry. The policeman said better get her home and hurry. So if you're heading for a charge with a charge in your head, you better think fast of a story with cred. As long as your woman looks young enough to be your daughter, you'll always get home safe, though you may be slaughtered. If you're heading for a charge, put a charge in your head so you can dance till the dawn because you're a long time dead. Thank you. This is a story about a man who leaves his house and never goes home again. And this is why. It's called Mrs. O'Baby and the Motorist. I was lost and didn't know which to turn. The woman at John Lewis helped. She passed the heart-shaped box to me. It spoke the magic words. Turn around at the next opportunity. I asked, could I set it to talk like a woman? The woman at John Lewis said, that's certainly possible, sir, and you won't even need an upgrade. I named her Mrs. O'Baby because spellbound, I followed her every command, softly sighing from time to time, oh baby. Oh, baby. One day I asked her, could you be any more womanly? Mrs. O'Baby said, that's certainly possible, sir, but I'll need a large upgrade. The box arrived from Japan the following week. 
I slipped in her chip and booted her up. She was beautiful and functional, a chromium Kate Moss. She slid into the seat beside me and we drove all night, the road names and numbers rolling across the blue screens of her eyes. One day, she caught me staring at her. She took one look at me sitting beside her, my hand on my cock. Then Mrs. O'Baby said, That's certainly possible, sir, but I'll need a small upgrade. We never went home again after that. The place names scrolled by, Texaco, Tesco, Sainsbury, BP, as Mrs. O'Baby and I continued down our long honeymoon highway. Till, one late night, in the warm darkness at the corner of the motorway service station car park, as I sat polishing her body with a soft cloth, I said to Mrs. O'Baby, Mrs. O'Baby, could I ever be any happier? Then all around us, a sea of courtesy lights came on as a dozen car doors clicked open, and twelve soft synthesized Mrs. O'Baby voices replied on her behalf. That's certainly possible, sir, but you'll need a small upgrade. Thank you. And finally, this is a poem about house prices. And I wrote it a year ago before the economy went tits up. So you'll have to use your imagination. And if you're familiar with the work of Philip Larkin, then this may sound strangely familiar. It's called This Makes It Worse. They won't cough up your mum and dad. They don't intend to, so they do. Embarrass you financially. Won't pay your bills, which they could do. For they were wedged up in their time by rising markets, house and pensions. And when confronted by us kids, who in their wills could use a mention, they show us lovingly the door, extol the virtues of the poor. Till enraged when they mention saga, we beat their brains in by the arga. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the night so far. Uh, I was going to have a performer called uh, Becky Virgo uh, here next. Uh, she's been working with a uh, refugee, and it's all to do with uh, amnesty, uh, but she can't uh, make it tonight. So, uh, reading out her text that she's going to read, uh, we have uh, Chris. Hello again. Right. Um, right, you'll have to bear with me because I was only handed this just before we started and I haven't had a chance to have a proper look through yet, so uh, it is something really serious, so if I do... Fluff up, it's, uh, I'm not trying to be funny or anything like that, so you'll have to bear with me. Jonathan Kazembe is a trainee teacher from Kirumba, Goma, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He suffered harassment and discrimination as a member of the Banyamulenge tribe, blamed by other tribes for bringing instability to the region. Things got worse when Jonathan joined a humanitarian organisation in 2002 and fought with others to stop the conscription of child soldiers in both rebel, RCD, and government forces. Soldiers would march into the school and seize boys as young as eight, giving them guns and sending them to fight and kill. 
After protesting, Jonathan was captured by rebels, thrown into a makeshift jail, interrogated and tortured. Friends got him out of jail, but they soon realised Jonathan must flee the country. He arrived at Heathrow, that's Heathrow, sorry, in January 2005. Jonathan's first asylum claim failed. He was not given the help of a Swahili interpreter and did not fully understand what was going on. Also, he was moved to London from London to Ashton-under-Lyme, partway through the process. Communication was by, by mobile telephone from then on. Two appeals were not upheld by the judge on the second occasion, said that it would be humane, inhumane to send him back. At that time, it would be inhumane to send him back at that time, and that he might be allowed to make a fresh asylum claim for which new evidence would be required. However, Jonathan was then made homeless and destitute until taken in by a family in Glossop, where he's lived as one of the family ever since. He's, an active, do he's active doing voluntary work in the community, where he has a great deal of support. Jonathan is still severely traumatised by his experiences and has been receiving regular counselling at the Medical Foundation for the care of victims of torture since November 2007. Gathering fresh evidence has been hindered by Jonathan's mental distress and by the recurrent anxiety about home office interviews, but progress is being made and a fresh claim is being prepared by specialist immigration solicitors. Becky Virgo is a community worker in Glossop who recently interviewed Jonathan and then remixed the audio and put it to music for the show tonight. She wanted to be here tonight to play this piece but sadly couldn't make it. So... This is Dig Deeper by Becky Virgo featuring Jonathan Kazembe. If you want to help Jonathan and show your support, then you can visit our website, wordsandthings.co.uk, and find out more information and how to get involved. Dig harder. Dig deeper. Look harder. Look deeper. Deeper. Inside. There's love. There. There it is. It's now four years since I've been in the UK. Going to school is a big opportunity for any child in Congo. Not every kid get it. You would wake up very early in the morning to go to school and you spend hours and hours on the road. And when you get there, you're tired. I was born um, in Kirumba. The nature in the Congo is one of the things we've been blessed with. Animals can be uh, friendly than human beings. Every time I went to my school, a group of soldiers that would come in, terrorize everybody, grab a group of children, give them guns, and they tell them to go and fight very young kids. They've got all their dreams. 
they want to become doctors, they want to become, you know, engineers, they want to become teachers. Just to use them as shield. You know. Tell them that uh, if they um, wash them into water, and you know, they will become invisible. Children going into uh, in the ground looking for these minerals, you know, with torch, and that can be very dangerous. It's just, you know, unbelievable what people can can do to to, to children. We have um, about 200 languages. If you move from Kirumba to Masisi or Kayabayonga, it's too difficult for anybody. There's so many languages. It is very important for any kid in the Congo to learn French mm. so that they can have communication with other people. When I arrived, I didn't understand. I couldn't say, speak English there. And I come from, from a culture where we, we didn't trust anybody. And I had the interview. I was very um, traumatized. I didn't really understand. I thought I was a criminal. I, I did something wrong and they wanted to sort of send me back to the same people. Four, five months later, I was told that my asylum case was uh, is refused, that I paid to hand over the keys and uh, leave the, the country. It's very difficult to be able to sort of trust people. I was told that I was going to be deported back to Congo. I was uh, made homeless and uh, life was very, very tough. Keep digging. You'll find it. Jenny's just said that uh, she had an empty room for me. She took me into the community. I got quite a lot of encouragement to go and speak out about the things that had happened to me in the Congo. I was getting to know people, discovering myself, and I made other asylum seekers. I, I woke up and then I just felt very cold. <laughs> My first experience of this, yeah. nobody got to tell me that it's not in this country. Yeah. <laughs> a very strange place. If you have that chance, you make most of it, make most of it, make most of it, make most of it. Hello, this is a little message for all the people around the corner who haven't come here tonight to see the performers. You've just come here to chat with your friends, play a game of pool, have a drink, watch a little football. Well, your friend is dull, you shit at pool, that fat beer gut means really you've had too many, and Man United are going to win anything anyway. So just come on this corner and see what we're up to. Anyway... Wikipedia time. Our next performer saw his parents murdered as a small boy. 
From that moment onwards, he swore revenge and vowed to clean up the streets, taking on the symbol of the bat. It's a dark night himself. Richard Crowther! I've been warned to unravel this carefully. There we go. I usually do poetry, but I'm going to just talk at you tonight instead, because you're a captive audience. Um, I'm angry. I'm furious. I'm seething with rage. I'm bubbling under the surface with mild annoyance. I want to be angry. I am angry about things. We do get angry. All of us get angry, but we tend to misdirect the anger, I think. We don't get angry about the right things. I mean, we've, historically speaking, it's not what we like. The English, particularly, whenever the capitals of Europe were aflame in revolutionary fires, we, we managed the odd kerfuffle. We had the occasional fracas, but we never really managed to go all the way. We never said, this is our country. We're going to run it into the ground if anyone's going to. We never managed that. We never quite, we always trail off at the end. This is our country, and if anyone's going to put the kettle on, I'll have one. Yeah? Two sugars, please. I'm so. <laughs> we never really managed to go the whole hog, and we never really did that. And I, I think it's because we're not very good at anger. I mean, we're, the French, they have anger. They have apathy like we do, but they direct it differently. They're more laid back about the everyday things, the trivial things in life. They don't take life too seriously, everyday thing, the minutiae, they don't get worked up about that. But as soon as someone in government puts a foot wrong, there's like a million tractors in Paris the next day. And they're, they're right angry, tractors, taxis, fishing boats, any kind of land and sea vehicle, really angry. More importantly, their drivers are angry. Students as well, we have angry students, they haven't got anything better to do. But in France, they have everyone and there's a sense of civic solidarity about that that I quite admire we don't have it we tend to get our anger wrong the French save it up for appropriate occasions things that are worth getting angry about we we save it but it's not saving it for anything worthwhile we pent it up and it comes out stupid moments Americans they're quite angry and they let it out when it comes they don't save it up they don't pent it up inside so it comes out stupid things they get angry I was stood next to an American guy in Chicago and we were waiting for the lights to change across the road and he looked like, um, well he gave me this impression that he was kind of like Michael Douglas in Falling Down, like he was going to explode at any moment. He was in a suit and he had a briefcase and he was looking across over his shoulder across the block and there was a building and it, it was, uh, there was a building site there and the path was cordoned off, you weren't supposed to cross that way but people were doing it anyway and I think he kind of wanted to but he didn't he was paying attention to the signs you weren't supposed to go that way but he was getting really frustrated and I could just tell and I just thought he's going to do a Michael Douglas on me he's going to he, all this rage is going to come out and I could hear him could hear his voice kind of well I could hear him grumbling under his breath he was getting so worked up idiots he was saying and I just thought why did I come to America why didn't I go to France there's so much more laid back there in, at least if they were angry, I wouldn't understand what they were saying. Idiots! Maybe I'd understand what they were saying, but at least it'd be more charming, you know? And he was really angry. He said, what are they doing? What are they doing? 
They're walking under the building site so they could hit them in the head and kill them and it would be their fault. He was really angry. And he was looking at me to reciprocate the anger. But I'm English, I don't do that. I feel like a little rabbit in Watership Down. Don't look at me. Your big American headlights are shining at me and I'm freezing in them. And I didn't know what to say, so I just said, yeah, they're being quite silly really, aren't they? And it was not what he wanted to hear. He wanted reciprocated anger. And I just said, it's been a bit silly really, aren't they? And he didn't, he deflated him. It worked. He wasn't going to kill me. But he didn't want to kill me. He just wanted someone to feel the rage with him. And I'm English. I don't do public displays of emotion. I can't do that. And he deflated him. The word silly is in the same family as the word naughty and nice. Don't be such a silly little boy, you naughty little boy. Be nice to her. There's rubbish words and they're not very conducive to anger. So it deflated him. And it worked. And he, that's American anger. It comes out at any point and just explodes there, right in public. But we're different. We save our anger up. We pent it up inside. We're not very public with our emotion. So it comes out in stupid things. Something that gets me angry. Potatoes. Potatoes are rubbish. They're rubbish. You get them... You go to all the effort. I mean, you're supposed to eat them. They're healthy. They've got potassium and folic acid in them. They're supposed to be good for you. I mean, folic acid, I think, is good for pregnant women, but you never know with science these days. If you sit on the wrong toilet seat, what can happen? You, you take all the nutrients you can, and they're supposed to be in there, but you can't taste them because it doesn't taste of anything. It's rubbish. Potatoes are rubbish. You've got... You have to put butter on them. You soak that into the potato. Then you put cheese on. Then you put beans on, loads of beans. Then you put a la- another layer of cheese on. There's two layers of cheese just for one potato. And then a dollop of coleslaw. That, that, that's, then you think you're prepared. You go down, you sit in front of the TV, you put your Buffy DVD on, as everyone does. It's the best program ever. And then you, you press play, and it does the last week on Buffy thing, and you're eating away. And then it does... The, you know, the bit before the theme music starts to let you know what's happening in the, re- you know, set you up for the rest of the show. It's called the teaser in the, in the profession. And, and then the theme tune comes on. You don't skip that. Don't skip the theme tune. That's, that's good. You, you might have seen it a thousand times, but it's important. It sets the mood for the show. And you're eating away. And then by the time the episode actually starts, you, you're shoveling away. And, oh, oh, what is that? It's, it's pure, unadulterated potato. Why am I eating pure, unadulterated? Think about that. Pure, unadulterated potato. Pure, unadulterated usually means that it's something that has to be diluted for you to be able to, you know, eat it, for you to be able to drink it. Pure, unadulterated potato just means pure, unadulterated nothing, blandness, rubbishness. Pure, unadulterated potato, it's like the most boring, tasteless mound of ass. At least ass tastes like something. Potato doesn't taste like anything. Oh, I tasted ass. I have tasted ass. It tastes like sweaty batteries, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's just nothing good about potato. It doesn't justify its own existence. And it has that kind of quality that Weetabix have and that they suck up all the milk. But at least you know that that's not a magical process. The milk has gone somewhere. It's gone inside the Weetabix. You put the Weetabix in your mouth and it tastes like stodgy, milky Weetabix. The milk has gone inside. When you look down at your plate after having put this mound of nothing in your mouth, you've, all you see is just pure, unadulterated potato. Where have my beans gone? 
I put so many beans on there, two layers of cheese, I didn't even touch my coleslaw yet, and they've disappeared. All I've got is this potato looking back at me, and it's sucking the moisture out of my eyes and my tongue. You look at it, and it's just making you dry in the throat. It's rubbish. I hate them. You have to go back to the kitchen, put some more stuff on them. It's gone cold by this time, so if you put more cheese on it, it's not going to melt, and it's just not the same. I fucking hate potatoes. And I also hate cheese packaging, but it has improved recently. Cheese packaging, you used to put cheese and it used to come in cellophane, but when you took the cheese out of the cellophane, you used some of it so there was less cheese, but you put it back in the cellophane and somehow it would shrink and it wouldn't cover the entirety of the cheese. It'd be an exposed corner. You'd put it back in the fridge, come back to it the next day or a couple of days after, and there would be hard cheese. Hard cheese is a bad thing. That's why when something bad happens, someone goes sarcastically, oh, hard cheese, mate. Yeah, well, fuck you. Hard cheese isn't good. Hard cheese is rubbish. Hard cheese is crap. So the people of Cathedral City, I think, they decided to make sealable cheese bags. Brilliant idea. I was against them at first. There's so many there's terrible things happening in the world that we need real innovative solutions to. And I was thinking, why have you gone to all this trouble of making sealable cheese bags when we have to cure cancer and figure out how to stop climate change from killing us all? And then we've got the economic crisis. But you know what? I hate hard cheese so much. I thought, no, fine. That's a good idea. You should definitely try to avoid hard cheese from happening. So you use the, the brilliant. I mean, all you have to do is put the cheese back in the bag and then you... You just do the thing. And, and, and what I do is I tend to do it three quarters of the way and then squeeze the air out and then finish it off at the end. So there's no air in the bag. You put it back in the fridge and this, it doesn't get hard. It's, it's genius. You see, it's genius. And what happens is that people are idiots. And you come back to the fridge one day and there's, there's the cheese and the, and the resealable cheese bag, but it's not sealed. Someone has... Someone's gone to the effort of designing a resealable cheese bag to avoid the abhorrence that is hard cheese, and they've not used it. And this is infuriating, yeah? This is infuriating. You you go to the people and you say, what? Look! And they're just looking at you with this kind of derisive bemusement. What? Look! Look at the... What's in this? Cheese. What kind of cheese? Look at the cheese. What's wrong with it? What's not right about the cheese? What? This cheese. It's hard cheese. I like hard cheese. You can't like hard cheese. Hard cheese is rubbish. My ex-girlfriend hated hard cheese. You won't let me come on your tits, but you like hard cheese. That's the wrong kind of disgusting. You're rubbish. I like hard cheese. You've got to reseal it. Reseal. I don't expect you to do the hard three-quarter way thing, but just just do that. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to make it stick. You just got to go from one end to the other. Don't start in the middle because then it'll get all confused. You go, all right. So so you come back to the fridge a few days later. You fancy some cheese, not a potato. You've been there. So you just get the cheese out of the fridge. You look at the cheese, and it not only well this time there's an improvement. The cheese packaging is sealed. Someone has done this brilliant. Fortune, the cheese is on the outside. It's not on the inside. Someone has just taken the remainder of the cheese and folded the outside of the bag over it. So the cheese is all hard. Sometimes when it's, there's not very much cheese left, they try to wrap the wrapper around it. What is going on here? People are idiots. People, someone has gone to the, the effort of integrating resealable plastic 
to seal cheese inside of packaging so that it doesn't go hard. Something which is just horrible. Our cheese is horrible. And they haven't, and people just can't, just makes me so angry. I think those, those applause are for effort. <laughs> but I like them anyway. Um, but there are so many things that are worth getting angry about. And I feel like I, a, part of me, a part of me feels like I shouldn't be getting angry at potatoes. A part of me feels like I should be getting angry about the fact that... I mean, look at the economic crisis, the global economic crisis. We've been... If you look at graphs of our productivity since 2000, our productivity has gone up and up and up. We have worked harder, in other words. We've produced more shit. And if you look on the same graph at the pay we've received, it hasn't gone up. So we've been working harder for, relatively speaking, the same real pay. And, and this is what we get for thanks. This we get for thanks is, oh, sorry, we've lost all the money. That's the thanks we get. We've been working harder. We've been going to work and we've been sitting in these performance reviews with people telling us to reach targets. For this to happen, for someone to turn around and say, all your money is lost. Not, not just all your money, but minus your money. We have minus your money now. We've been working for that. We've been going, sitting opposite glorified careers advisors. That's all they are. The people who tell us to do performance reviews and staff appraisals. And they've been telling us to work harder. But these people are glorified careers advisors. They, they, they don't know what to do with their lives. So they point fingers at other people and said, you should do this. And it's the same people who tell us that we should work harder and should, we should aim for targets and we should jump through hoops. They've been paying themselves more. These people aren't alive. They crawl out of the grave every morning. They're skeletons. They have to crawl out of the grave. They find the nearest primary school, find the nearest seven-year-old, tear their living skin off them, stretch it over them in the morning. That's why they have these contorted smiles that don't look real. And they say, let's talk about your targets for the next economic period. Well, they, they're not real. I'm sorry if you're in human resources. I, I do apologize. It's just that you're dead inside. This, 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 they're not, and it's the same type of human being that's been responsible for the economic crisis. But you can't say they're not good at their job. They have been good at their job. They've made more money, more money, and more money. People didn't think they could make that much money. They kept making more money. They said, brilliant, you've made so much money. Give yourself a lot of it. And they said, yeah, we will. I don't think you can make so much money next time, though. And they said, well, we'll see about that. And when they went around the corner... <laughs> Magic money, look, oh, look at all the money. Well done, brilliant, give yourself a bonus. Not out of that money, I'm going to take this pile I made earlier and give myself a, a bonus out of that pile. You can have that pile all to yourself. It smells kind of funny. That's fine, it's just the new ink they're using and the money. It's, it's fine, it's just you have it all. And then suddenly, oh, we've had this unforeseeable problem. All the money's gone. All of the money is gone. You're going to have to give us more of your money. Wait a minute, you lost all of our money and you want to give us more of your you want us to give us more of our money that you, you've already lost yeah well we, then we can give it you back why don't we just keep the money we have the money we have the money and then and then we we spend the money and then and then we buy things and we're happy it doesn't work like that there's a flaw in that problem that you haven't foreseen we haven't foreseen the flaws what about the, the economic crisis that you didn't foresee? That was just unforeseeable. People shitting money was unforeseeable. That was unforeseeable. Yeah. 
It's just unforeseeable. But you're going to have to give us the money. We'll give you back a small fee. Wait, so you're going to give us, we're going to give us our money, more of our money, even though you haven't been paying us enough money compared to how much, how hard we've been working. You're going to, you're going to take all of the money off of us after having already lost all of it. It's just the way the world works. And it's happening. It's not, it's not just a proposition. This is happening. This is, this is happening to us. Why are we not angry about this? I'm not really angry about this. I'm still fuming about potatoes. This, this is not something we're angry about because we're doing it. It's happening to us. We're not angry about it. We're not happy about it. But we're down here going, I'm really not happy about this. We're going, it's just the way things have to be. It's just the way the world works. Why aren't we angry about this? What's wrong with us? We're, we're rubbish. We don't care enough. We genuinely don't care. We're not able to get angry about the things that we should get angry about because we're too busy being angry about potatoes. Maybe that's just me, but I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's things in your life that you get angry about that aren't worth getting angry about. Maybe we should start getting angry about things that we should get angry about. We're so rubbish. Even if there was a revolution tomorrow and we were working towards that revolution, this is what would happen you all right, Karen? Is, is Nigel there? Yeah. Put him on, please. I'm not going to be able to make it into the revolution today. No. It's, yeah, it's going round, isn't it? I've got a, a head bug, a stomach cold. Um, you, know, you know, it's going round. Was that, was, that, was that this week? I thought we were storming Parliament next Monday. Oh, well, I'll try and watch you on telly then. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll, thanks. Yeah, I'll try and get better. Next week on Buffy. And uh, now before the uh, the break, we're going to uh, stop the comedy, and uh, we're going to get quite serious. And uh, we have a uh, a representative from Amnesty International, and. Uh, is going to tell you how you can get involved. Uh, it is uh, Graham, isn't it? Yes, it's Graham, yes. Thank you, and thank you for the people who've organised this evening and uh, support you've given to Amnesty International already. Brilliant. Um, Amnesty International is a worldwide organisation. Uh, we've got members in nearly every country in the world. I had um, New Year's greetings this year from uh, our fellow members in Mongolia. And uh, you name the country and there'll be some amnesty members there. Um, the sad side of the coin is, is that every country in the world just about um, suffers human rights abuses in some form or another. And every year amnesty um, produces a report which uh, lists countries alphabetically and there are very few countries which uh, don't appear in that report. Very few. And... Um, Local group of Amnesty, which I'm very proud to be a member. I mean, we meet every month at um, Quaker Meeting House. Second Wednesday of every month. Oh, is that it? Oh, sorry, can you hear me now? And um, meet at half past seven. You're very welcome to come along. And we have a very full agenda. Um, really, if you want to read more about Amnesty, knowing more about Amnesty, all wide variety of work that we do, various human rights abuses, you can look at it on the internet. But um, I'm afraid I've come to uh, ask you a favour tonight. And I'm not going to ask you to write letters or anything like that. It's about the case of um, Ibrahim Gazdiev, who was a 29-year-old, who disappeared in the Republic of Ingushetia in the Russian Federation on the 8th of um, August, 2007. Um, Ingushetia, you've probably heard of Chechnya. 
Lingusheti is a neighbouring republic in the North Caucasus part of Russia where um, thousands of people have disappeared without trace over the past few years. And um, really, obviously, Amnesty is very concerned about this. And this is a specimen case to represent all thousands of people. And um, we're concerned to try and find out what happened to Ibrahim. He was um, seen taken by armed personnel from his brother's car and taken away in another car. And he's never been seen since. Now, Ibrahim's father has tried all sorts of um, inquiries and all sorts of ways of trying to find out what's happened to his son. If your relative of yours disappears, it's difficult because you've got no way of knowing where they are. You can't grieve. You don't know whether they're dead, alive, or whether they're holed up somewhere, whether they've been tortured. You've just got no way of knowing. And, um, you know, he's been to the Russian uh, authorities and they certainly haven't uh, given him any uh, information. I've um, got a quote from him here. I'm appealing to the whole world community today through your protest, demonstrations, mass meetings. If this wave goes through the world, it is possible my son will be returned to me. The whole of Ingushetia is asking, it is not much, is asking, it is not just my son who has disappeared. And really, um, in some of these North Caucasus places, everybody knows somebody who's disappeared. Every family has lost somebody. It's, uh, it's a fact of life there. So what I'm asking you to do today is um, what we're planning to do. It's Ibrahim's birthday. It would have been his 30, 31st birthday on the 15th of April this year. So our plan is we want to have a huge birthday card the size of a door covered with pictures of people holding 616 signs. Now 616 is the number of days from his disappearance in 2007 to his birthday this year. So we plan to have it addressed to Ibrahim but we'll deliver it personally to the Russian embassy and uh, we'll, you know, hopefully get some press and media coverage for that and um, try and you know, bring the message home to the Russian authorities that people who disappeared aren't forgotten, you know, that we, we still remember what's happened and that there are people whose lives have been ruined by these disappearances. What does the word home mean to you? Home, think of family, mainly freedom, but also after moving into my own place uh, sort of nearly two years ago, uh, isolation as well. Um, it's not quite the home that I would have called ten years ago with my family and things, but it's nice, it's uh, somewhere to go to, somewhere I can chill out and relax and do my own thing, and basically it, it's a contradiction more than anything. It makes me happy, but it makes me sad sometimes, and I quite like it that way. Um, I suppose it makes me warmth, a place of well-being, solitude, a place you can relax. Food, <laughs> plenty of good food, uh, family as well, I suppose. Home. Traditionally, it's where the heart is. Um, Actually, home is kind of um, an ambiguous one for me because I was brought up for the first ten years of my life in around the southeast London area, and I moved up to Yorkshire when I was ten. So I had this kind of north-south divide. I suppose Wakefield is the closest thing I have to a home, although I can't really consider myself a born and bred Yorkshireman due to my southern accent. So I don't know home. Uh, I think really home is ultimately the place where you 
feel at ease um, where you I mean be it somewhere but it's been a bit kind of personal I mean that you have homes in the sense of the family home where people just kind of a quite a fixed of both there's other people who's it's the old thing about wherever I lay my hat that's my home it just depends on the individual but for me um, you know I'm quite happy at home with uh, Jamie 31 Milford Road well I think Pink Floyd put it best when they said on Dark Side of the Moon home home again I like to be here when I can far away across the fields the tolling of the iron bell calls the faithful to their knees to hear the softly spoken magic spell so it's all about those softly spoken magic spells that's what you get at home home means bed I think I think as long as I can snuggle up put my head in the pillow and spend about an hour with random thoughts running through my mind and finally get to sleep and then wake up too late in the morning I think that's home enough for me Yes, well, give me a home where the buffalo roam, and I'll show you a very messy carpet. I'm not exactly sure what home means to me, because... Hmm. I find it difficult to believe in... in place. So the, the physical nature of home doesn't mean a great deal to me. I think you can be at home anywhere in the world with anyone or even on your own. I'm sorry to be the bringer of bad news, but I'm afraid you've gone mad. I'm just talking to you. Yes, you. Nobody else in the audience can see or hear me. No, I'm afraid you're the only one who can currently see this six-foot mad demonic rabbit. Well, you have been working quite hard recently. Your partner has just left you. And you are behind in your rent after that gambling addiction began to take hold of your life. So... It's hardly surprising you've lost your marbles. My advice? Just go with it. We'll hang out. It'll be really cool. We can have lots of loud vocal arguments. It'll be fun. Although, you know, it will appear as if you're shouting at nobody in particular. But don't worry about that. Hey, you know, have I ever told you you look really good with a big crazy beard? There is a second theory that I'm the one that's actually gone mad. That I'm currently imagining a pub full of human beings who are watching people perform in front of them. None of you are real. You're just part of my own warped bunny rabbit psyche. Nah. That'd just be too fucked up. I mean, what am I, David Lynch? Am I David Lynch? I think I might be David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Anyway, Wikipedia tells me that our next performers are the most realistic robots you'll ever see. 
Their skin is made of a lightweight plastic polymer, and they were developed by some of the top scientists currently working at the Honda factory in Hong Kong. Matt and Russ, everybody. Thank you, Money Man. Cheers. Let's play a couple of songs here tonight. Um, well, it's Matt and Russ, as you said. Um, right, let's go.
Yes, thanks very much. Spare me one second to remind myself of these lyrics. The deceit. Bit of feedback. I haven't 
Go on, Matt and Russ, everyone. Come on. Cheers for the people. And now, back on to the festivities. And we have your host once more, Mr. Peter Beeston. Okay, before the next act comes out, I just want to tell you a little more about Nick's album and uh, where it was recorded and produced. It was all done at Sheffield Live Studios, where I kind of help out and work there. Uh, Sheffield Live is a community radio station for the people of Sheffield and the surrounding areas. It can be heard 25 hours a day on 93.2 FM and streamed live from the web at sheffieldlive.org. The station welcomes people from across the board. And if you want to get involved, anybody, in helping out behind the scenes or fundraising or maybe even getting your own show where you could talk about local issues, music, poetry, comedy, or even just a show uh, where you describe the exact sound made when doves cry, it's up to you. But uh, if you want to get involved, come see me uh, later. Uh, But... Back to Wikipedia. It informs us that our next performer won the 1993 FA Cup all by himself. And more recently, announced in front of the world's press that he and, Judy D- that he and Dame Judy Dench are the same person. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Matt McAteer. Hiya. Um, 
I'm going to talk some rhymes to you, but I usually like to do it with the aid of some paper. Uh, but I'm going to try and do it without. So uh, if I forget, um, we'll have to see how it goes. The first one's called Pushing Rocks. I lost my job through the agency. I'm sick of this insecurity. Have you seen Quadrophenia? I was just like Jimmy, except he was a teenager and I'm over 30. I lost my job through the agency. I've been crushed by the wheels of industry. The missing beat in the machine's relentless syncopation. Caught offside in a 40-30-30 formation. If you're dropping out the loop, touch base so we keep on side. I tried the language on, but they didn't have my size. I'm bamboozled by bollockspiel in an alien tongue. But experience should have taught me that I wouldn't be here for long when the trainer uttered the words that all the office workers dread. Just a little bit of fun, who for the board? The brain dead, so I'm stood up at the front wearing a shitty catalogue suit and he says your personality resembles which kind of fruit? My name is Sam Gregory, you know me as the vicar. My name is Sam Gregory and I resemble a banana. There's a serious point I'd like to make before you move to dismiss me, but you're a self-confessed banana. How do you expect to be taken seriously? Forever playing the stooge in some redundant absurd is fast I told them they could take the job and they could shove it up their arse so I'm a man with no name in a town full of not rights my identity subsumed in fear and bitterness and spite I've never been a member of Coterie, Cabal or Clique I'm alone, I'm on my own your misanthropic neighbourhood freak I watched a documentary about a monk from the 16th century bollock naked on a moor self-flagellated where he feared that his love for God had abated I imagine myself doing the same in the city enduring the scorn from a town without pity but then to the siren the devotion she incited I never doubted myself once so that my love would be unrequited she looked exactly like Myra from the Grifters Wood if she drank too much taboo and she came from Grangewood. She never noticed me though, she just pouted and took the piss. Still I dreamed of being the recipient of her resuscitating kiss. Like a noose flapping on gallows, the pub sign swings. Leaving Ches Vegas, the dirge the Threnodis sings. I'm going to drink until my arse bleeds. Going to drink until it hurts. I'm going to drink until my body is laid down beneath the dirt. I walk in. The barmaid with the Vera Duckworth perm takes my order, calls me love, but it means nothing, it's just a term. Pipe music, she's like the wind, another unmentionable cheese, and I'm feeling a bit peckish. Bag of crisp prawn cocktail, please. Then a voice from down the bar. Hark at this cunt with his hors d'oeuvres. People laughing, head down, pick him up. Body swerves, try and find a seat. I find Al Smith in the corner, the drunken sage. Carefree makes me wonder, how does he manage to disengage? I tell him, I'm pushing rocks just to watch them roll back down. A man with no name in a forgotten, not right town. He says, of course you're pushing rocks. Accept it, embrace it. Just laugh in the face of absurdity. It's the only way you'll face it. And with these words of wisdom, I settle for a session in the afternoon. I don't get to play chess with death, but I'm sure to lose that pontoon. Lose some money. Get kicked out for being pissed as a newt. Lurch forward, start the search for a siren substitute. In the shop, furtive movement, shifty fingers full of stealth. 
eyes darting back and forth as I moved towards the top shelf. Then a boat walks in, bold as brass, an expensive executive suit, just picks up a mag and pays. His conviction is absolute. He makes it look so easy, buying a house, a car, earning corn, makes it look so fucking easy. Wearing a suit and buying porn. I'm thinking, just copy him, don't make a fuss. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking, just get, just grab one, copy him, don't make a fuss. So I grab one, start walking, look down, the banner reads 60 plus, and I panic, drop it, turn and knock a greeting card, carousel. Then I'm staring face to face with a brand new shape from hell. A shop assistant glowering like a Gestapo grass in a tabard and I'm thinking why do I always make life look so fucking hard? Drop the pretense, after all she knows exactly what I'm after, pick another, pay the money, depart to mocking laughter. Uh, get back home, put on the tape, song to the siren on a loop, pick up the mag, throw it on the floor, put it down to brew his droop. Then I'm up and out just drifting the siren's anthem as my guide and I'm standing staring waiting when the two mantras collide, I'm alone. And I'm outside your house. You'll never swim to me. I'll never enfold you. I'm alone and I'm outside your house. I could wait all night. I'll never hold you. I'm alone and I'm ringing on your bell. A supplicant pleading that you'll ring mine as well. I'm alone. You open up your door. They'll giggle the knowing wink. Does it mean you know the score? I'm alone in the entrance is a poster. Tells you what to expect, at least I think that it's a poster. No one gets out of here alive and a crucifix pose, but over the face another image has been superimposed. The camera in drag squatting on Morrison's face. I'm alone and I'm inside your place. I know you think I'm awful, but do you still like me? I'm alone and I'm inside your fa uh, place. From the snare on your face, I think that that's unlikely. I pass the tape. It's for you. A memento for Mon Amour. She says, Vicar, no one plays these anymore. Tosses it casually across the floor. I stand and stare at the tape beneath her black high heel stiletto. My final message, gone, but it was ignored right from the get-go. I'm alone, hurt and rage, halted. By a turning key and then a voice, I'm going to crush you like a bug. It's directed at me, I'm alone. Is this the end? I wanted it, but not like this. I'm alone, now's the time for that resuscitating kiss. I'm alone and now I'm in the zone. I focus on nothing but the imminent brutal crack of boot on bone. My bone, soon to be broken bone. I'm alone and the voice says, Get up and take it like a man, you limp dick. I lost my job through the agency. I've been crushed by love and industry. The resuscitating kiss remains just an illusion. In hospital, the recipient of a blood transfusion. I lost my job through the agency. I'm trapped pushing rocks for eternity. Love and work, religion and alcohol. In the absence of something to believe in, this absurd life takes its toll. I'm sorry for forgetting that. It would have been a lot better if I'd have remembered it. I might just leave that open there. So anyway, this is a, a different character from the same story as that one. This is called uh, This Thing of Ours. Busted up nose, blackened eye. Yeah, well, you should have seen the other guy. I said Terry Tetley's over here. I'll show you can take his beer. Crushed some pills up in his pint pot. Sat packing laughter as he lost the plot. They found him staggering in the dark in his pants in the pub car park. Welcome 
to this thing of ours. No nine to five deals done in bars. The life, it's all about living on your wits. We'll take the risk playing double or quits because we are the small town conquistadors. Busted up nose, blackened eye, yeah? Well, you should have seen the other guy. I said, Terry Tetley's over here. I'll show you could take his bit. Crushed some pills up in his pint pot. Sat back and laughed as he lost the plot. They found him staggering in the dark in his in his pants in the pub car park. Welcome to this thing of ours. No nine to five, deals done in bars. The life it's all about, living on your wits. We'll take the risk playing double or quits because we are the small town conquistador. Still from the rich, sell to the poor. At half price, our clientele, the disenfranchised offspring of the enemy within. No credit card, no chip and pin. Our patron saint is Eli Wallach. Our motto is, Nari Bollocks, welcome to this thing of ours. Lying in the gutter, staring at the star, picking out non-runners in smoke-free backstreet boozes. My name's the Jibber and I'm the king of the subterranean small-town losers. No lead, no copper, it's all gone. Fuck it, I'm not the only one who saw as old industries and certainties fractured. Money from old rope could be manufactured. From selling Xerox copies of dodgy DVDs, counterfeit poxy luxuries, of pirate MP3s. We're the masters in the fine art of... Polishing a turd, then knocking it out at a profit to the suckered, bewildered herd. The credit crunch is fine by me. There's a lot of opportunity. He's got the bra and I've got the brains, a combination dedicated to the pursuit of financial gain. He went to the Middle East and picked his way through all the rubble, then emerged back home with a scar face that, uh, that you knew had seen some trouble. We call him One Amp. He's got the brightness of a dim lamp. What he's lacking in intelligence, he makes up for in malevolence. Together... We're the private walkers, Barmy Army, and we're out for remuneration. I should have just read it, really, shouldn't I? I do apologise. Tell you what, we'll finish that one there. I can't remember it. I'm sorry. I don't know. You get your big chance, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll read this one so there's no further one. I embarrass you. What do you reckon? Hey, thank you. I did try it with that. Yeah, it went all right last week, but yeah, there you go. This one uh, is called Toxic Reservoir, and I, I, won't, uh, I, I won't make any misbeats, hopefully. But you never know, I might lose the sight of all the... Oh, whatever. This is Toxic Reservoir. The droogs line up with arrows playing killer on the dartboard while their buddy does his party piece and waves around his pork sword. They're all dressed up for action in their bestest bib and tucker, a merry band of bladded, scary, larry-looking fuckers. They look like Westlife on Maloco Plus, ready get set for the flight of the Icarus, not scorched by the sun but burnt by hot knives and dangerous liaisons with other people's wives, and I'm wasted, like my time. I wish I was with you, I wish your thighs were next to mine, but I'm anchored, hooked tight against the bar, save me from drowning in this toxic reservoir. Jibbers him, waxing lyrical about his latest get-rich-quit schemes. By morning, they died choking, washed up asphyxiated dreams. In life's game of pool, he hustled, but he failed to sink the black. But it's too late for him to change now, and he's never turning back. Like a punch-drunk former champion's poignant final fight, all that's left is impotent raging at the dying of the light, and I'm wasted. Like my time, I wish I was with you, I wish your thighs were next to mine, but I'm anchored. Hooked tight against the bar, save me from drowning 
in this toxic reservoir. A maladjusted social inadequate pulls up a tattered bar stool, blends seamlessly in the wreckage of this battered ship of fools. He talks like Terry Fuckwitz, less capable twin brother, and I'm stranded as better swimmers. Dive and crawl for cover. You talk through your fundament. There's no, I've no wish to be your confidant. Affluency and effluence perpetually under the influence and I'm wasted, etc. Duty-free tobacco from an Eto placky swag bag. Plundered on pirate voyages by an aging scallywag. Little victories, the product of limited horizons. The kind that various captains will have their beady eyes on. In the Battle of Bridge Puritans versus Barleycorn's descendants, the judge has gone home early, the, uh, the jury's gone home early, the judge has already passed sentence. For our hero's measly profit, he'll be made to walk the plank. A backer baron left floundering when the Jolly Roger sank, and I'm wasted, I'm being taken with the tide. Be my shining lighthouse, I need you to be my guide, it's sink or swim. The fight between guilt and blind devotion, the push and the pull of these familiar emotions. I'm sorry for uh, forgetting everything. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you very much indeed, there, to Matt. Are we on? Yes, we are. Hello, once again. Are we all all right? Yeah. Come on, bigger than that. Come on. Ah, oh, well, if you're not even going to try, don't bother. <laughs> right. I've run out of words. So here's Peter. Okay, one to our last three or so acts. Uh, and we're about toward the end of the night. Uh, to put it another way, if this was foreplay, I would have just finished the dry humping stage. And now I'd be on to the removing my socks stage. Uh, Wikipedia fact. Our next performer can give himself ultimate lives by pressing left, left, up, down, right, and holding A and B and start. Phil Hartley. That's not quite hiding enough from my face, but never mind. <laughs> one, two. Okay.
If words and music are all that's left, well, that's fine by me. If words and music are all that's left, well, that's fine by me. much too kind. Um, I'll do this one now simply because it's, it's in the same key. Um, it's a bit more cheerful this one, this is sort of a love song. It's called uh, The Game. You deal the cards, you choose the game. I draw the ace of spades again You play your hand, you raise your game It's just my heart at stake again And if we try too hard to win We only lose ourselves again It's all in the game It's all in the game it's all in the game, it's all in the game You roll a six, I roll a five We have to keep this game alive You climb the ladder up to ten 
I'm sliding down that snake again And if we try too hard to win We only lose ourselves again It's all in the game 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 So I don't have to retune. Which, believe me, it took about half an hour on one of these things. Better? <coughs> right, this is another track of me uh, recent CD. This one's called Digging. Forgotten while I'm here But 
Still I try to make some sense of this crazy world of living Of every single little thing I hear from day to day But tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done You're digging in the earth trying to find the sun it's like thinking that it's over when it's just begun Tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done Tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done Every now and then we need some solitude Every now and then we need some love Why do we always When the hole's too deep, the sides too high. Any mistakes we make along the way, well, it's all a part of growing. It helps a little knowing that we're all the same. And if the future is a scary place, if you're worried about tomorrow, well, today was tomorrow. Only yesterday Tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done You're digging in the earth trying to find the sun It's like thinking that it's over when it's just begun Tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done Tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done No, tomorrow doesn't care what yesterday's done Thank you! It's alright, isn't it? I'll, uh, I'll leave you now with a, uh, a song about Sheffield Another one what I wrote. This one's just called My Town. My town helps to build the world, my town. My town helps to build the world, my town. My town made the tools and steel with the mill, the forge and the grinding wheel. My town helped to build the world, my town. But all the factories been closed down in my town. All the factories been closed down in my town. Now shopping centers fill the ground where working men could once be found. All the factories been closed down in my town. And now they're trying to change the face of my town Now they're trying to change the face of my town They're pulling all the landmarks down They're raising buildings to the ground And I can hardly find my way around my town My town helps to build the world, my town 
My town helped to build the world, my town. My town made the tools and steel with the mill, the forge and the grinding wheel. My town helped to build the world, my town. My town helped to build the world, my town. My town helped to build the world, my town. Thank you. Right. The moment you've all really, 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 really been waiting for. It's not been the performers then at all. It's the competition. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Are we on now? Thank yeah, you. we're on now. Yeah. Okay, so here we are to read out the house caption competition answers, questions type thing, doodles. <laughs> Imagine Jeffrey's surprise when he got home to find some burglars have turned the house over. Right, I've got... Well, just turn it over then. Okay, let me... Oh no, not Kira at work again. I thought it was someone around here. I thought it came from around here. Oh no, not another precocious little git blown in from Kansas. Well, there had to be one in it at least. And somebody's gone and written Yellow Brick Road. Even though it is neither yellow nor a brick. I think it's a road, possible. Mm. I thought it was just the prices that were falling, not the houses. Oh. Did it technically fall as well? Very good from the audience, sir. Here we have, I wanted a house out of town, not upside down. These poets, where do they come from? Thank goodness for a chimney. We could have ended up at the bottom of the hill in the River Don. I like that one from Rotherham. It's another favourite. Ooh, Rotherham, ooh. I've got the housing market has been turned on its roof. No? Okay then. I've got one very similar to that one. The last Working contribution. The housing market goes bottoms up. Uh, as opposed to tits up. Well, sorry. <laughs> I quite like this one actually. Well, I've turned the house upside down, but I still can't find my car keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'll give that one the clap, so to speak. Finally, Australia, here we come. No, maybe, maybe not. You know, would you like me to speak into this? Oh, <clears throat> they don't give you much to go on except this microphone, do they? Yes, now let me see what the police reports are. Description of man wanted. Dressed in brown suit, all except for blue serge coat and trousers. Hair just turning grey may have turned by the time you catch him. Hmm, believed to be lurking in some passage between Yarmouth and Aberdeen. 
Oh, well, I mean, you can't work out much on thing like that, can you? I mean, I may, may never find him. Yes, and if I do, it may not be him. And even if it is, he may say it isn't. Uh, they do give you some problems. They really do give you some... What am I to do? Whatever am I to do? I couldn't possibly reach any of these microphones. What am I to do? Try that one. <laughs> Madam, we yes, like to record right. you with, during interviews. Oh, very modern, I'm yes. sure. Yes. So what, 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 what should I do then? Well, well what have you done? I, I mean, poisoned him. Uh, uh, poisoned who? My husband. Poisoned your husband? Yes. Uh, well, I would ask you to sit down for a minute, but um, then you wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to reach to that microphone. So stand up for a minute, madam. Would I, you will. Just... I will. I will. I will start here. You will, won't you? I, I mean, will. Recent police cuts. <clears throat> we don't have as much furniture as we used to have. <clears throat> Poisoned your husband? Yes. yes. It's turned out nice again, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, I, I wonder if you could give me some particulars of this. Uh, your husband, is he with you? Oh, no, you poisoned him, haven't you? Yes. Um, all right, well, where do you live? 13A Fazakali Valley Avenue. Uh, 13A Fazakali Valley... Um, <clears throat> yes. Um, I wonder if you'd mind passing me that again. 13A Fazakali Valley Avenue. Oh, I wish you'd live somewhere else. I can't... Uh, 30... Fazak... <clears throat> well, a couple of fazzies and a zack will have to do. Um... So when did this happen? Last night. We had some people for dinner. I see. And, and, and did you poison them as well? No, just my husband. Ah, just the one that you poisoned? Yes. Just the one. You see, it's just the one. Because, uh, excuse me asking all these questions, because, uh, yes. you know, it, it doesn't matter how many you poison, they've all got to go oh, down on the form. Absolutely. Yes. And, and when did this happen? At midnight. At midnight. You poisoned your husband at midnight. Yes. That's the idea. And what do you want us to do about it? Find you another one or what? I am here to give myself up. Ah, yes. Well, you, you know, well, that, that is the first that we've heard about it, you know. Yes, uh, that's where we get the books all messed up. Yes. Uh, wait a minute. Um, I'll tell you what. Give me his description. I mean, what kind of a man was he? Can you remember? He was four foot two, quite tall. Four foot two. I probably only need half this form, then. He was bald. Bald. I won't need so much ink now. Had no teeth. No teeth. Had he any ambition? He was a member of the British National Party. Oh, well, I think you did the best you could with him, then. Yes. Uh, see, I don't really know what to do. I mean, up to now, as far as we've gone, we've no proof that you actually poisoned your husband. I mean, anyone might come in here and say they poisoned their husband. We just can't go on a thing like that. I've, I've got the receipt for the... Look, poisonsareus.com. It's wonderful what you can get on the internet. Yes, but, I mean, we should have to have something more... Significant than that, really, wouldn't we? I mean, everybody could come into the police station, and in no time we'd have the place full. I mean, I mean, before I can arrest you, I'll have to get a couple of householders to vouch for you. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, we were that busy. I don't know which way to turn. Charlie, where's that cup of tea? Uh, I mean, you just can't walk in here asking to be arrested when you like. I mean, there's others been waiting longer than you. This is a police station, is it? 
Or am I on the wrong page? Oh, no, I think you're a bit early. No, no, no. Well, you, you were telling look, me how you were going I, to give yes, yourself up. I'd come here to give myself up, look. Yes, and I'm trying to help you somehow. But you've come at such an awkward time. Obviously. I mean, the boss is away. The boss is away for two weeks. Oh. I mean, okay. if you come back in a fortnight, you know. I, I mean, what do you think? No, you tell me what you think I should do. Oh, goodness me. I mean, goodness I mean, I've never... nothing to do with it. I, I, I mean, have you ever poisoned anybody else? Oh, yes. You have? Yes. Right. Uh, and what did you do then? I escaped. Well... Perhaps that's what you should do now. Perhaps I should. Of course, I mean, you have done a wrong thing. I mean, it's not right, right to right. go around poisoning people. Oh, no, yeah, oh, yes, right. I've done a wrong thing. It's always the woman's fault, isn't it? It's never the man, is it? I've done a wrong thing. wrong, you know. Oh. What? But look, I don't care for this. You're not coming in here now. But it you is a police poison station. seven more. And you're not going to come in. Is this where I say, is this a police station? Yes. <laughs> this is a police station, is it? <laughs> Doesn't matter to you what it is. You can't come in here and mess it around just as you like. Poisoned your husband. We lived before you poisoned your husband. Suppose you, you thought did. you were doing the right thing. I, I did. I did. Yeah. I thought I was doing the right thing coming here. I dare say. Mm. So, what do you think I should do? I don't know. Oh, look, even the police have turned against me now. No, 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 no. We haven't turned against you. No, you're taking it the wrong way. I didn't say anything against you poisoning your husband, did I? No, I don't mind you poisoning your husband. I mean, have you been married before? Oh, yes, three times. Three times. Uh, And did you poison any of them? Yes, all of them. Ah. You see, you're going to have to try and break yourself of it. You're letting it... Get to grow on you and be a habit. Do you think I'm becoming obsessive-compulsive? I don't know. Only you'd know that. No! No, I think you're in grave danger of me suing you with an asbo. An asbo? My husbands would turn in their graves. How dare you? Well, thank goodness she's gone. If I'd been her husband, I wouldn't... Wouldn't have let her poison me. I'd have poisoned myself. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed. Okay, folks. Well, first of all, I'll start with that um, grand total. Tonight, through a combination of donations and CDs sold, we have raised £96.38. Which, put on top of the £73 I've already sold, and plus two, two reservations I have in the next week, I should be sending a cheque down, recorded delivery within a week, for £179.38. Right, this next poem then, I don't really know what the point of the poem is, to be honest with you, but uh, I kind of went off on a flight of fancy. Now, I just want to warn the people sat over here, um, look out, 
Okay, you need to be on your toes. You'll see what I mean. Trust me. Look out. Beware. Okay. Bam school grandma's magic sweets. A long time ago, in the end of the snow, was an old woman in rags. From a life so tragic came something truly magic. Her special sweetie bags. The brave and the wise chase their prize, trophies, treasures, treats. But they're a risk all, a mighty fall for grandma's magic sweets. They play the game with the fiery flames that melt you with its heat. Sharp as knives, they gam their lives for grandma's magic sweets. Such a commotion, poetry in motion, Shelley, Larkin and Keats. And everything's done under the sun for grandma's magic sweets. And the morning still, they charge the hill, and the enemy retreats. The victors score upon the shore for grandma's magic sweets. After his fight, the gallant knight was still colossal feats. He'll duly strain his body and brain for grandma's magic sweets. Demons and dragons, horses and wagons, crooks, cons and cheats. The lust for glory, the bloody story of grandma's magic sweets. And as we live on long after we are gone, we're children we never meet. So as a party host, Mary's a toast for Grandma's magic sweets. Thank you, cheers. Okay, we're going to go for shocking visuals now. Okay, folks, um, this next poem then. There are many issues in the world today, you know. There is religion, there's politics, there's the family, there's class, there's drugs, there's the environment. There is a, a plethora of issues in the world today. But there is one issue. There is one issue that is always being overlooked. But not anymore. Tonight, me and you are going to explore this issue together. And that is the issue of bodily hair. When I go swimming, I get many a stare, not of my face, but of my bodily hair. Some find it intimidating, others find it scary. People cannot cope. With the fact that I'm hairy. I refused to school showers and was considered a wimp. But when I did go for a wash, they thought I was a chimp. And in my cricket club, my hair caused much scorn. They gave me a nickname. I was known as Firstborn. I don't see the problem. It's in no way a sin. Just many strands of fibre attached to my skin. But it is unfashionable. And I must concede that us hairy chaps are a dying breed. There's none of the catwalk. The designers think it best to have models that are hairless with a bright, screaming chest. Athletes are cowards. They do not dare to resist a body shave and show a little hair. But for me, it is a joy that the world should share. The wonder of a body that is not bare. So let me make my stand. I would like to declare there's too much baldness. Bring back the hair! This now, this one, next one is from the album. This next poem, it's not about the past. 
And it's not about the future. It is about... Now, this is the moment. This is where we are at. This is our arrival and destination. Now is the alarm clock, the bedtime story, and the chaos in between. Now is the only reality. The past is a graveyard, and no map locates the future. Now is the faithful companion that walks alongside us as we stroll through our lives. Now cannot be escaped. It never abandons you, and can only exist mutually. Now is what you must embrace and make love to with all your being. Now is the time to act and duly deliver. Not later, or soon. Now! Thank you, Jess. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jess. Right, we've just got a couple more to go, ladies and gentlemen. This next one, then. Um, I'm somebody who's uh, had a lot of it. Uh, issues with uh, low self-esteem over the years and um, there are times where I feel that I'm just on the wrong planet, like I just don't belong here and that's what this next poem explores, a whole notion of being just out of place, it's simply called Wrong Planet I have this problem and it's tricky to fix, it's like the world and me are an incongruous mix it's not the land, the sea or the sky that makes me frown droop and sigh it's because of my panic, it's because of my fear which makes me ask, do I belong here? I tend to be mild, I tend to be meek, which makes me feel cowardly and sure and weak. For the rest of the world, it's tough and cruel, like a fish out of water, I feel a fool. I can't differentiate the truth from the lies. How I wish I was perceptive and worldly wise. I can't read people though I try so hard, I just can't cut through their phony facade. I take this out to myself, and I get so intense about lacking concentration and common sense. This uses up my energy and wastes my time. It's like I've committed some monstrous crime. But my closest friends, who are good and true, say, Don't worry, Nick. There's nothing wrong with you. Then I realise that happiness comes from the removal of an impossible quest for everyone's approval. Just be true to myself and let the others be, for they can only be them, and I can only be me. Be glad I'm eccentric and do not feel shame, for if there were no different, we'd all be the same. Remember my love, forget my hate. I can destroy, but I'd rather create. Cherish the things that bring me pleasure, and be grateful for life, our greatest treasure. Cheers. Well, folks, um, we live in a very cynical world. And in these cynical times, here is a rebellious poem, which is called The Infinite. You may see no point. You may not even care. You may think it's useless or tragically unfair. You may look in horror at all the hurt and pain. You may think it's chaos and totally insane. You may find no answer, just a niggling, why? But the truth is within, your soul will never lie. 
For every kind action and every thoughtful deed is like digging a hole and planting a seed, one that will grow with every minute and hour and eventually blossom into a beautiful flower. Then you will fly on the wings of a dove. It'll take you to the infinite, and the infinite is love. Thank you. Following on a similar theme, then, this next one. It's kind of about, sort of about unity amongst brotherhood of man and so forth. It's called For My Brothers and Sisters. Let us live, let us be, let us fly away free, let us take our natural course, let us out, let us in, let us lose, tie, or win, let us trust the inner force. Let us speak, let us say, let us work, rest, and play, let us have our private space. Let us rise, let us slide, let us feel good inside, let us find our rightful place. Let us see, let us hear, let us conquer our fear, let us soar to the highest state. Let us know, let us grow, let us star in the show, let us smile at our fate. Let us dance, let us chance, let us fall for romance, let us surrender with grace. Let us ebb, let us flow, let us start, stop and go. Let us run the human race. Okay, folks. Well, just coming up to the end of the night now, but just before I go, I've got a long list of thank yous here. First of all, for all his amazing amount of effort and just just generally being brilliant, uh, we'd give for Peter Beeston, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'd also like to thank everybody from Words and Things here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Enough of getting our performers. You heard tonight Owen Barber. He's gone now, but he performed earlier on. And you heard Rex Davis. And you heard Chris. And you heard Richard Crowther. And Graham Jones from Amsterdam National there. You also heard Matt McAteer. Another back there, Matt and Tom. And Phil Hartley. And finally, thank you very much to the bar staff for Roebuck to have having us here tonight. Thank you very much, sir, folks. Over there, where are you? Okay, and just one final thing then before we go. <clears throat> one, it's a piece of prose, it's called The Message. We are all one. We are all one. That doesn't mean we all agree. That doesn't mean we're all compatible with each other. But every single one of us has a soul that contains the human spirit. And there is nothing you can ever do to break yourself from the human spirit. It surges through us all like a rolling river and carries us downstream into that mighty ocean called humanity. And there is no lock. There is no dam. We all flow into it. 
Thanks. Good night. God love you. Cheers. So oh.